Hello and welcome to the Black Techies Podcast. I'm your host, David, and this is Episode 4, Gaming Part 2. Now, if you haven't heard Gaming Part 1, I highly recommend listening to that as well. We talk about the Switch, of course, Horizon Zero Dawn, kinda, and we talk about if subscription services such as PlayStation Now or Xbox Game Pass is the future of gaming. Also, once you're done listening, I'd also invite you to please leave a review on iTunes. That way, people can find the podcast and it also lets us know how we're doing and how we can improve. Once again, the music you hear is by a, game, a guy named Karf Darko. He makes some excellent retro-style music and you can find him on YouTube at youtube.com slash Mobile. So, let's get started. I'm once again joined by some incredible people. Uh, once again, my name is David, and I'm joined by Dominique. What up, man? What's up, guy? Not much. And we finally have a girl gamer on here, although casual. But hey, it ca- it counts. We got <laughs> we got we got <laughs> Tiffany on here. What's up? What's up, everybody? <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, so it should be an, an, an interesting episode, but before we get started, uh, let me let me kind of go around and see see what everyone's playing. So I guess with with me, I'm uh once again I'm still playing Horizon Zero Dawn. I still haven't finished it. I'm almost there. I'm like at the latter part of the of, of the game. I'm almost done. Maybe like an an hour or so left, I think. <laughs> but uh, it's a really good game. I've been playing Mass Effect and Andromeda kind of on and off in a way, but I'm I'm trying to focus on one game at a time so I don't become too bogged down with uh with with games or whatever because i already have a pretty big uh list of games to get through but yeah that's that's basically basically what i've been doing yeah so i've been playing uh of course league of legends is my go-to that's my baby um i play halo wars 2 on the xbox and uh I'm also still trying to finish uh, Deus Ex, uh, Mankind Divided, and I'm still trying to finish uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. Like I'm, I'm really like 75% done on like five or six games, and or ADD. So I never really finish games, especially open world games, because I'm almost done with Fallout 4. Uh, it's just it's a it's a thing. It's a whole thing. I literally I didn't buy Final Fantasy 15 just because I know that there's just gonna be one more game that I get to 75% and stop playing. And so, mostly just League of Legends, and I play hockey sometimes with my boss. <laughs> like actual <laughs> hockey? <laughs> At NHL, uh, what is it, 2K17? Oh, the game, I was going to I was gonna say. <laughs> no, nah, man, I live in Nashville, ain't no ice out here. <laughs> I, don't know, I, thought was, I thought there was a skating rink out there, somewhere. Oh, if it is, it's unbeknownst to me. Oh well, I guess I'm too, I'm I'm thinking of, of of Virginia. Tiffany, what you been playing? Um, so yeah, I'm the casual gamer of the group. Lately, I've been playing a lot of NBA 2K16 just because I don't know. I've started getting in the groove, trying to finish finish a season or whatever of my career. Um. I do play like the open world type games. I'm a big Grand Theft Auto fan. I finished I finished the story of Grand Theft Auto Five. I didn't I haven't like gotten to hundred percent completion of the game. Um Saints Row, 
Uh, I played some Call of Duty because it came with my with my PlayStation, so I was playing Black Ops for a while. I'm just really random, just kind of whatever moves me. Oh man, I haven't played Black Ops in a while. I actually, I still have Black Ops Three on my PS4. I just haven't played it in a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a minute since I played it too, but yeah, like I started playing it. You know, it came it came with the console when I bought it, so I was like, oh, I might as well play it too. It's got an interesting story, but I haven't. I didn't really make it that far. Which one is um, it? Is it, is it? Is it? Is it Black Ops Three or? Oh. Uh... Oops, I'm knocking oh. stuff over. Yeah, Black Ops Three. Oh, okay, all right. I played. Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> I've been play- I've actually played Call of Duty since almost the begin. Well, I played the the first one. I was on Xbox Three Sixty. <laughs> that was the first one I played. Uh, but I've been playing <laughs> Call of Duty since since then. But uh, I'm hearing that you know I'm hearing that the next Call of Duty is going to be back in World War Two. You all heard that? No, I haven't. I stopped listening to Call of Duty. Call of Duty news in like uh, like 2011 probably. I just do not like those games. Ever since they let Infinity War, ever since Infinity War got off, I, I got off. So you play? So you played it before Infinite Warfare? Yeah, for sure. So I, I so I haven't played Infinite. I played the demo of Infinite Warfare, and actually, I like the single player. But when oh, no, I played the I played the multiplayer, Warfare. say it again. I said, you said Infinite Warfare. I played it when Infinity Ward was still like before the cats left uh, to start that to start a uh, respawn entertainment. Right. Uh, I, I forget which one it was. I think it was like three. Uh, Modern Warfare three. Yeah, I think it was after that. Was, that was like the last we played. Yeah, because then the next one that Infinity Ward made after that was Call of Duty Ghosts, I think. Yeah, and that's when I it, like Black Ops was like just for real garbage to me. And so, really, all I, of them? Yeah, all like I just didn't like. You know, it was probably a bias that I created even before the game came out because I I really loathe Act- Activision and the way they do games and uh like the cookie cutter like just get a game out every year kind of thing. The same thing Madden was doing for a little bit, and uh I didn't even really might not have even given it a a, a good old chance. So I'm thinking. So <laughs> I think they know that and. I think they tried to kind of get around that by having three different developers for each year. So then that way you don't, you technically don't have the same, <laughs> the same game by the same developer, you know, every year. So, you know, they got Infinity War, Treyarch and uh, Sledgehammer. And so I guess they think that if they have three different developers, then that way it'll be, it'll stay fresh, even though it's technically Call of Duty every year. Yeah, I mean that's a good. It was a good plan, but they did it too late, and then they didn't treat the Infinity Ward guys right because that's not Infinity Ward. That that's the Infinity Ward substitutes. Them cats from Infinity Ward left to go form Respawn, like the good ones. All their lead programmers and designers and everything, they left. And you see, we got Titanfall too, and I still I I really want to play that because I heard so many good things about it. Like I heard the I actually heard the all the DLC is gonna be free. Huh. So, so instead of having to pay, pay a uh, pay for the season pass or whatever they have, you can, you I guess you can just download all the all the DLC once it once it comes out. So I still I might get it just for that. But then, I mean I like first person shooters anyway. So and I I like the first Titanfall, but I like I like a good story. I'm one of those people. I I don't I don't just jump into multiplayer. I I prefer to have some kind of some kind of good campaign single player campaign. So. 
And uh, I, I heard it was actually pretty decent. So uh, I, 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 I'll probably check it out. Hmm. I just got too many games on my list. Yeah, I, my my backlog is so. In fact, in fact, I actually made a list. Let me see if I can find it. I actually made a list of all the games that I wanted to. Here it is. So let's see. I got Horizon Zero Dawn, Mass Effect Andromeda, Legend of Zelda, Skyward Sword. Yep, Skyward Sword. Doom, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Gears of War 4, Inside. Uh, I have some uh, some DLC for The Last of Us that I have that I still haven't gotten through yet. Uh, Near Automata and Infamous First Light, which is DLC for like Infamous uh, Second Son, which came out like I think three years ago. But I liked it. But I got all that to play. <laughs> but most of them, I think I can actually get through pretty fast, like Doom and Rise of the Tomb Raider and Gears of War and Inside. So most of them, I think I can probably get through. It's it's those open world games like Horizon and Mass Effect that's going to take me a while. <laughs> so especially Mass Effect. But because I'm not a completionist, but there are some things I do kind of like doing. Like I, I like getting some of those good side quests out the way. But yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, open world games allow you to be so random sometimes. It, I, I kind of feel you on wanting to have a campaign. I think, I think that's kind of why I I liked you know like the Grand Theft Autos and stuff like that so much because it's it is a story that I'm trying to follow and missions that I have to complete. But then when I want to be random, I can just go off and do some side mission and stuff. So it, it's, I don't know. I think it's kind of best of both world type things. Do you have a favorite open world game? Grand Theft Auto. Probably. I was about to say Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Um, which for her because that's everybody's favorite open world game. Rockstar when they make a game, they make the hell out of that game. Yeah, they take like five. They take like five years to make it. Yeah, dude. They they their ping pong game was phenomenal. Ping <laughs> really? pong. <laughs> yes, I'm not even joking. Like that sounds like I'm telling a joke. But I'm not like it was really, really good. <laughs> hey, I'm not even. I wouldn't even be surprised, honestly. But uh, it, 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 there are a few developers that can almost do no wrong, in my opinion. I mean, Rockstar, uh, the old Infinity Ward, <laughs> uh, Naughty Dog. I love Naughty Dog and and Bi- well, I would say Bioware. But I was going Bioware before uh, Andromeda came out. <laughs> right, that's what's good. <laughs> so. That's a good segue, actually, into Mass Effect Every Andromeda. Every game they released before was 10 in my eyes. Wait, say it one more time. But every game they released before Andromeda was a 10 in my eyes. Well, maybe I'll give Mass Effect 3 like a 9. Oh, because of the ending? Yeah, it was pretty bad. Did you play the uh, the updated ending when they released the DLC for it? Nah. Because, I mean, I'm they... Either kind of... Like, once I finish a game, I'll never touch it again. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't do the multiple playthroughs to see the different endings. I'll just go look at them on YouTube. So, that's what I, that's honestly what I usually do. But for Mass Effect, that's one of the only games that I actually go back and play because I like, because at least for the, for the first, for the original trilogy, you know, you have that Paragon and Renegade system. So, I like to go back and play as like Renegade and just be a butthole to everyone just to see what, just to see what would happen. (laughs) So, but the, and that, so, so talking about Mass Effect Andromeda, so I've been playing, I've only played like the first few hours. Uh, I've gotten to the Nexus, and so, which is kind of like the, the, uh, the Citadel from the old game. It's kind of like a hub section where that leads to, to different areas and 
you can you can spend points to improve certain areas and 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 improve commerce and all that kind of stuff. But one thing I actually don't like about Andromeda is they took away the Paragon and the Renegade system. And so what BioWare thought was that if they had a more open-ended system where you can it you it's more of a morally gray area, I guess, or I don't know. I guess they thought that the choices that you have would be more natural so you don't have to necessarily go towards a strictly good or a strictly bad character. I don't know. I liked having the good and bad character because I liked I don't know. I like I like either being totally good or totally bad. That's how I like to play Master Fest. <laughs> but they took that away from me. So I can't really, you know, like, for example, in the in the original trilogy, there was this reporter where you could actually punch in the face if she if you didn't like what she was saying. If you played the renegade option, but you can't do that in the new one. It's like I want to punch somebody, but I can't do that. <laughs> but I don't know. Have you have you played any of uh, Master Fest Andromeda, Dominique? I have not played it yet. Uh, it's again, it's a casualty of my backlog, but uh, I've read so much about it, and I actually like the idea that it's not uh, just you. You have to actually read the conversation because if you were trying to be a good character, the conversations weren't really. Po- what, there was no point. You just went to the right if you're being good, you went to the left if you're being bad, and uh, you didn't have to think about your answers. Meaning, you didn't really have to read the conversation. But you know, now you got you know a whole bunch of uh, questionable, like, uh, I don't know, like, how do I really feel about this? It actually makes you think, you know, like, I think that's Bioware's biggest thing is, uh, like, their their story is way better than their combat has ever been. Their combat's not, like, bad or anything, but the, the story is the the good stuff. Right. I mean, I, I feel you on that. I mean, I guess... I mean, I, I guess I kind of, I mean, I, I see what they were going for for the new system. For the most part, it doesn't, it doesn't really bug me. I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is. I still like the game as a whole, but I don't know. I kind of like being like the hero or you know being the bad guy. I don't know. I get, I kind of like that. But you know, uh, they had to change some part of it. So I guess that's how they thought they could improve it. But as far as my experience with it, um, let's see. So. <laughs> a lot has been made about you know the facial animations and that, really the animations in general when it comes to Mass Effect Andromeda and people posted YouTube videos of glitches and people's head turning 360 degrees and people glitching through walls and it's, it's actually kind of funny but I don't know for me it doesn't really it doesn't really affect the game for, for me personally because like I said I'm a story guy and so as long as the story is good and the combat is good I'm not going to complain too much about facial animations. And they actually had one of the former animators for the previous Mass Effect trilogy. Uh, I think he tweeted out that, you know, because the world is so vast and because there are so many different options you can pick, you know, the animation isn't going to be like the greatest quality. You know, it's not going to be Uncharted 4 quality, which is to me is the benchmark right there. That's the benchmark as far as facial animations. No one is doing better than Uncharted 4, in my opinion. But... Because Uncharted Four is a linear story, you know they have the ability to do that kind of, you know, to do that kind of detailed motion capture and that kind of detailed facial animation. But when you have an open-ended story like Mass Effect, you can't, you can't, you know, tailor every single animation. You don't have time. You don't have time to tailor every single animation to every single choice that, you know, every possible choice that every player is going to make. So, 
and you know and they can always fix it with patches also you know it's you know give me a two gig patch that fixes some animations there we go so you know it's not a it's not a big deal but there are some people who are really mad about it and they actually attacked one of the female uh developers on bioware kind of singling her out even though it wasn't her fault but they kind of singled her out and it was kind of a shame that that happened but uh so let's <laughs> now go ahead white male gamers are like the dreg they're they're hillary clinton like the deplorables like they're the worst part of the world <laughs> <laughs> the deplorables <laughs> like it's it's just not all of them of course i got a lot of white gamer homeboys but just the uh has that caveat the, 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 like the i right. you could just attack a woman first of all who didn't even work on it like so do your research before you go spitting out your bigotry but we live in that era where facts don't really matter man i just i feel like lashing out at somebody who's an easy target a woman right i mean it's and the thing is i i some people thought it was that they made the female so so you have the you have a choice of uh choosing obviously between a male and a female but in this case they're twins so but people have complained that that the the female character, uh, the last name is Ryder, or her name is Sarah Ryder. So they have said that her character model is somehow is like ugly because they wanted the female character to not. I don't know. I don't. It was some some dumb reason why people thought that they made the, the female character ugly. But I don't know. It, it's kind of a moot point because you can. You can make your own character. You can change how the face looks. So it's kind of irrelevant, really. <laughs> but uh, now, granted, I will say this: the that the screen where you choose your own character, where you choose your character and, and and customize your character. I will say, Bio kind of dropped the ball on that because it's not as it's not as fully fleshed out as I wanted it to be. Oh, at least I don't, at least it was. I don't think it was. It was as good as the first Mass Effect, honestly, because it wasn't the presets that they had and the the modifications you can make to those presets. I don't know. It just it just kind of felt lacking. So like the character I have, you know, he's cool, but it wasn't what I really wanted. But yeah. Oh well. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah. Uh yeah I know I'm the only one who's played Mass Effect Andromeda so <laughs> no, I can only give my I can only give my uh get give my thoughts on it but I mean so Tiffany let me ask you are there is there like a any qualities or any certain standards that qualify as like a good open world game to you like so you said that that Grand Theft Auto is your favorite so like why is that your favorite and not like The Witcher or uh mass or you know any other open world game um, i wouldn't call the witcher open world you don't think that's open well, world from... <laughs> oh, that's very directed I... grand theft auto is uh open world because sorry to cut you off tiffany uh no you did uh i i think that real open world games other than like i guess for story's sake they will like limit the areas you can go off on like with a construction sign or whatever but with The Witcher, there really is like a directed campaign. You can do a couple side quests, but you can't just like go from one. I haven't played three. I'll say that because I'm still trying to finish two, but it's on my backlog. Uh, but the, I, and I, I, I don't almost beat it a bunch of times. I beat it on, almost beat it on computer and I switched computers and I lost my save. It, I was sick about it. 
So, but you can't just go from like the first area that you're in to the, to the last area. Or once you get to the last area, you can't go back to the first area. So it's not like, like Grand Theft Auto in the sense that, you know, you really feel like you can get in your car and drive anywhere. It feels like a city. Uh, and it feels like you can kind of make impacts on the city. Whereas the Witcher is a directed story campaign and you can, you know, kind of, kind of make a couple of uh, independent choices, but mostly you just do what they tell you to do, whatever the next mission on the campaign is. Hmm. Seems legit. Yeah. Um, well, kind of what Dominique just said is one reason why I like Grand Theft Auto so much. Uh, but the just to be able to kind of just go and do whatever you want to do and not really have to wait until you, you know, pass a certain point in the game to go see what else is going on. But the the real thing that drew me to it at first, the first Grand Theft Auto that I played was um, San Andreas. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was and, great. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, I just happened to be um, in Atlanta visiting my brother, and he was playing, and... I don't know, you know what I'm saying? You just had all these, like all these black dudes on here talking. It was like, and it was like watching a movie kind of, it was real relatable, I guess. You know what I'm saying? It ain't like I'm out there, you know, banging or nothing. <laughs> but just, you know what I'm saying? To have a game where you can see yourself on it. It kind of, exactly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like these are dudes that I went to school with kind of. So just to, to see him playing that, like I got all pulled into the story. And so, um, since then, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I just, I'm always looking for Grand Theft Auto, you know what I mean? Cause I think it's, that was a lot of, that was a lot of black people's like first big game, like that they were really into that wasn't Madden yeah. because uh, it's a lot of brothers that really only play Madden in 2k. Uh, and if you ask them like, you don't play nothing else. I mean, San Andreas, but it's just because it is really like there are so very few things. I pulled up a list of all the black video game characters. There's the list of like black protagonists, like where we're the main person is really, really small. But just looking at this list, there's a significant percentage of this list that is Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's where we live. Uh, and video in the video, you know, that's not necessarily a good thing because we're more than gangsters, you know what I mean? Why we can't, you know, why we can't be superheroes too, but it's fine. Uh, it was fun. It was a fun game. Like there was, I'm looking at this list, man. And it's, it's really sad. Like we're always the, uh, the friend or the, the, you know, the, the, the magic with the magical Negroes, (laughs) the magical Negroes, helping the white savior save the world, you know, from the background, not in the front. (laughs) You you stay back here. Yeah. That's the role we play. I mean, it's just the same way in movies, you know what I'm saying? Yep. So um, I guess it, it makes sense that it, it just comes over to the gaming world. Yeah. So, so to that so to that point, have you all... So, I, Dominic, uh, haven't you played uh, Mafia 3? Oh, yeah. Love it. Didn't beat it because, like I said, 75%. But... <laughs> Do you see any uh, any parallels between that and Grand Theft Auto? Or at least San Andreas. Uh, it's it's no, not San Andreas because this guy he's a ex-military. He's um, 
he's really doing a good thing. Like he's he's going about it in a really vigilante way, but he's doing a good thing. He's trying to cleanse the city of its uh of its white corruption. He's replacing it with a little uh black corruption. But at the very least, a city full of black people. If somebody's gonna be effing the city over, it's to be black people. Like I, you know, it's, it, it was like at the beginning of the game, he's being used. Y'all, you know, keep it spoiler free as possible. But at the beginning of the game, he's being used uh, by a white woman who's rich, richer than everybody in the in the in the city put together. And then like he he uses them and discards them. You, you got to make sure you kill him, man, because then he gonna come for you. And then the rest of the game is just you getting back at him little by little, taking his uh his 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 uh organization down piece by piece. And it is so cathartic. It's so cathartic. And when I got the game, it was right around uh the time where the Black Lives Matter stuff was hitting ahead. Man, I'm telling you, there were certain kills that he he pulls off that it's just like it's just like you're able to like channel your your rage into that. And I get to keep my job. I get to keep uh looking at white people every day and like, hey, how y'all doing? Because I can just uh, come home and kill them on the video game and like still be happy. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. Dang, I, I need to go get this game. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I've read, uh, I, I've seen a lot of reviews of it and a lot of people praise the, 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 the realness of like the fact that I think, uh, this takes place in the night, the 50s, 60s, 40s. Yeah. It was, uh, I think it was the 60s. Right, I think so it was in 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 Louisiana, yeah, in Louisiana at that, <laughs> Louisiana is one of the worst. So, yeah. uh, and this is coming from someone who lived in Georgia, right? So, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so I can only so I I I read that there were a lot of people who praised the accurate portrayal of racism and. Uh, the marginalization of him, you know. Think about it. this dude is a is a soldier, and in this country, you know, we we esteem soldiers, we esteem, you know, people who serve in the military, which is fine. You know, they 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 put their lives out on the line, but then this guy comes home and he's treated like crap because of you know because of his skin. That's what we did in the sixties, man. Like if you if you do a little research, like whenever somebody tells me that I'm making up uh, oppression or systematic racism or systemic racism, uh, I always go back to the when the when our guys came back from World War II. Hold up, so before you, before, you, before you go on, I think uh, I think there's some background noise. Somebody's mic. Oh, all right. <laughs> oh, that was you heard. <laughs> Yeah, that was me, man. That was me. My bad. You good? All right. Well, uh, you got Herb on here. So uh, before before we go, Herb, what's your? Uh, we talking about games here. What uh, what what games are you playing? Are you still playing Star Citizen? Yes, I am, and I'm getting a great deal of enjoyment out of blasting people out of the sky and playing first person shooter in the same game. So, yeah, Star Citizen is um, if you're a PC gamer. Um, it's pricey, and the modules are kind of pricey, but it's worth it. I mean, whoever thought of the concept of this open world game um, really put their really put their foot into the concept, and it's just you know it's worth every penny. If you have the money to invest in it, invest in it. <laughs> All right. So I mean, so we we've been talking about open world games, and specifically. Uh, uh, Dominique was talking about Mafia Three, so Dominique, you can go ahead and, and continue. Yeah, and I was saying, uh, like when when our guys came back, they've 
built houses and whole subdivisions for for you know ex veteran or for veterans basically people that were coming back from the war and they basically gave them the houses uh but those were white only privileges you know our our guys came back and had to go back right back to work hopefully somebody would hire them you know they they weren't treated they're they're not heroes they're heroes to us but you know the the, the country didn't treat them like heroes they kind of do now i don't feel like there's as much discrimination in the military not even close to what the like the real world there is still some there's always going to be some because there's pretty much only white people in power but i'm as a member of the army i never felt like my blackness was uh as much of a barrier uh as as it is in the real world um but you know when we talk about like like what benefits are from even in the 60s that are still being uh, realized today if you just give if you would have gave my my granddaddy a house in the 60s that he could have passed down to, to my father who could have passed it down to me i start off in the game you know with property with assets you know what i mean like that kind of stuff and and it's real but you feel all of that in this little bitty city of like uh, it's like fake new orleans they don't call it New Orleans, but like there's so many like realistic like you get to hunt the KKK. They don't call them the KKK, but these dudes got Confederate flags on their backs and they wearing white hoods on their heads. So that's what it is. It's the KKK. Right. right. Yeah, I've heard, I've, heard, I've heard about that too. Yeah, man, you get to feed them the gators and all kind of stuff. So it's amazing. Yeah, I've heard that's some people's uh, favorite part of the game. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> you know, if anyone's listening that's uh, affiliated with the KKK, sorry, not sorry. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you'll be all right. Suck it up. <laughs> but, actually, if you are listening, I would actually be shocked. But, uh, right. but welcome to the Black well, Techies Podcast. If, right. Yeah, hey, hey, welcome. Welcome, white guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, will say, I will say this. Um, I've got, we've already gotten some some feedback outside of our circle on the black techies and um it's it's been real very well received i've had some co-workers that have you know actually kind of stumbled upon the podcast and stuff some some nudging <laughs> by yours nudging. truly <laughs> and um they enjoyed the first couple they really really enjoyed the first the first couple of editions of the podcast so um I mean, as somebody that is just more, you know, I'm re- I'm a recent addition to the group. Um, I'm 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 pretty excited about it, you know. And as somebody, you know, as somebody that, you know, is a techie and is also in the IT industry, you know, knee deep, you know, career. <laughs> it's something that um, you know, I mean, it's a it's a really cool thing. Um, in regards to just you know what we're talking about in terms of mafia and some of the history. Uh, that Dominique was referring to. I'm also a veteran, and I'm also, you know, kind of an armchair historian when it comes to that sort of stuff. And you know, that sort of reaction in terms of Black folks and and military service goes way back. It goes all the way back to the Revolutionary War. So, um, you know, a lot of I mean, a lot of folks. Uh, that were involved in conflict on either side there, you know, you got just as many black folks that uh, that fought for the British, you know, essentially were the same promise of freedom, you know, as, you know, fought for the American. And um, it's, um, you know, it's a plan, you know, I've had a chance to play a little bit of Mafia and see some, some of 
Wait, did we lose him? Uh, I, I think, think we lost so. him. I think we lost him. <laughs> Alright, well, I guess we can go ahead and take a break and make sure that we have all of our technical issues and everything we should have. But when we, when we come back, we'll go ahead and chop it up. Once again, stay locked here to the Black Techies Podcast. Paint by Sean Denise is chic fashion for the woman with curves sizes 6 through 28. Paint by Sean Denise helps paint your curves to perfection with exquisite colors and pieces for color blocking effects. Don't miss the release of the 2017 spring collections both ready to wear and the brand new collection entitled Trollanta. Both collections release in person on April 15th at Colossal Dreams in Atlanta and then online on April 16th at midnight. For more information, follow her brand under Sean. That's S-H-A-W-N Denise Designs at Paint by Sean Denise via Instagram and Facebook. Are you ready to be painted? You are listening to the Black Techies Podcast. Welcome back to the Black Techies podcast. All right, today we're going we're going to chop it up about uh, the representation of blacks, minorities, and women in games and well, video games and movies and TVs and all that kind of stuff. We kind of briefly talked about that in the previous episode, but we, today I kind of want to flesh it out more. And we actually kind of touched on it today when we talked about Mafia Three. So, uh, actually, I kind of want to get Tiffany's opinion on this i mean do you think i mean there there are game new you know newer games coming out now with you know female protagonists like horizon zero dawn obviously there's tomb raider but you know tomb raider has been here for for decades but you know i'm hoping that we'll see more you know female or even black female protagonists i mean do you think that 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 that's a that is going that is coming. I mean, we see we see a lot more black female protagonists in like the comic books. Uh, like the new Iron Man is is a is a a teen or yeah is a, a black woman. So, do you see that coming anytime soon, or do you do you think we still got to wait? Um, I mean, I think we probably still have to wait. I don't think it's something that's gonna be. I mean, you know, we're barely just getting to see black men in video games and you know other outlets and so you know women are usually gonna come behind that so i don't i don't see it being anything that's gonna happen in the in the near future you know what i'm saying like even even when i'm playing like a somewhat kind of kitty video game you know where you can kind of like build your own character or something like that like if i don't know i can't think of a, a name of one but just uh you know, like sometimes I don't, I can't even do that. Like I can't even go and build like a a character where it's definitely you definitely can't find a black woman in doing that. But sometimes, you know, you can build a woman. So I think just having a straight up game where you got a black female protagonist is some somewhere down the line. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I think you actually kind of kind of hit it with uh, we can't we we still trying to get black men on on here. So Dominique, you know, was it was it refreshing playing as a just a straight up black man in Mafia Three? Because I mean, it, you know, it, it wasn't a creative character. You didn't have to create a black man. It was a full on you know black male protagonist created just for the game. You know. Yeah, it was. I mean, even though, like, it was great, but we had to hear about it. You know, people weren't, people, the industry is most, I mean, the country is mostly white dudes, right? So they don't see, when they don't see themselves in a character, they get upset. We've been playing with white dudes for 20, 30 years. I've been playing games since I was nine years old, and mafia and unless you could create your own character i can't think of a time where the lead dude was a black dude unless it was like blade you know or a game based up based off of a, uh, a character that exists in canon already that was black like new black ip it just doesn't exist and so like i can't even i can't i can't even wrap my mind around them making a game for a black woman i can't even like i can't even imagine it right because, well number one like there's the the if you look at the segments of gamers, I'm sure black women are probably the smallest segment. Mm-hmm. And so you also gotta you gotta look at marketing and all that stuff. And when you think about it, not you know not that you should you shouldn't have to see yourself in the game to play the game. If it's a good game, it's a good game. Uh, but I think that's the reasoning that executives have been using to you know basically keep games white. Just like uh, in movies, when you you have a movie called Gods of Egypt, and it's all white dudes in the movie because the, the they use the excuse that I can't sell a movie with with three black dudes as the lead. I can't sell that. I can't sell a hundred million dollar action movie with three black dudes as the lead, even though it's set in Africa, even though Africans didn't have English accents. Like that's what we about to do in this Africa. Gerard Butler <laughs> is the god of Egypt. Right. So this this is absolutely where I think Black Panther can actually kind of break out, because if Black Panther does well, then which I honestly I honestly think Black Black, Black Panther is going to do really well. And in, in, as far as box office. So I think if if Black Panther can do well, I think that'll kind of hopefully, you know, set a set a precedent. And, you know, that that can be the start of a, a new age of more. I'm not not necessarily just replacing all the white actors with black actors. I don't I don't want that. But as far as putting more prominence and more spotlight on you know people of color in lead roles, right? I mean, you know, we have you know the Denzels. You know, we we have. I mean, there are people that that are well known in the broader yeah, like Hollywood community, <laughs> right? But see, and you know, it's funny it was Black Panther. There. are Part of what's going to make that movie sell is is all of the well-known black actors, actors and actresses in that movie. I mean, you got basically everybody in that movie. Like, who's not in that movie? Like, I think Felicia Rosada is in that movie. Like, who? What black person is not in that movie? Yeah, I think um, I think Black Panther has all the elements of of really being. A, it would have all the elements of being a blockbuster hit, even if it wasn't a black movie. I mean, you, if you look at it, you know, from the perspective of the storyline, you know, you've got royalty, you've got infighting, you've got, you know, you've got a father, you know, a son, you know, taking up a father's mantle. 
you know, you've got a supervillain, you know, you can run down the line. Ironically, you know, that supervillain is white. Exactly. And I think, you know, I think a lot of times when we, when we talk about the correlation between, you know, black folks and video games and media, um, we have to really kind of understand that, you know, media in itself, in terms of in terms of us, hasn't really ever been Afrocentric. You know, there hasn't ever been an Afrocentric, you know, uh, focus in terms of mainstream media. You know, we've always, you know, taken what the media has given us and made it work and made, you know, made well, before Bob made Johnson called BET, we had BET. Right. Yeah, I agreed. And I think, you know, even with BET, you know, B, you know, we had to create our own medium in order for that to happen. You know, That's so true. I think it's something that, you know, even with video games, you know, I think everybody, I think everybody remembers uh, the experiment with B, you know, BCFX. <laughs> that oh, came man. Out oh, man. I, I, you know, I had so me. much, I had so much high hopes for that game. Yeah, exa- exactly. As a band, you know, as a former bandsman, myself, you know, anybody that, that, that put on a pair of spats, you know, had high hopes for that game. And I mean, and under any other circumstance, conceptually, the game was really good. It could have been executed a little better. But in terms of actually, you know, the way the game was created and the way the game was segmented, it had a really good chance to really, you know, appeal. You know, the only difference is, is that, you know, that that concept of it being about black colleges, you know, as opposed to colleges in general, stuck with a lot of people in public. You know, and it was just like, okay, you know, for, you know, I can remember the very first week that it dropped and I, you know, I went to get my copy and I'm standing in GameStop to get my copy of it. And, you know, there are kids in line in front of me. It's like, well, why does it have to be black oriented? Why can't it just be, you know, why can't you just play NCAA football or NCAA football? And I mean, at the time I was an NCAA football head. I loved it. But the only problem with NCAA football is that you know, any representation in terms of HBCUs, you know, were either extremely crappy or they were just really, hold on for a second, they were just really non-existent, you know, it, you know, if you, I mean, if you, if anybody on this panel has ever played NCAA football or any of the iterations of it on, on the past gaming systems, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You had to, you had to go in, you know, doing your, doing your, you know, your career or your season mode or your dynasty mode and create the team that you wanted to create. <laughs> and, you know, yep. for me, you know, I, you know, I knew, you know, unless I, you know, had just a complete beast as a recruiter, you know, I wasn't going to get no five stars going to Alabama state or get five stars going to Howard. So, you know, I had to create those people and that's kind of, you know, I think that's a really good correlation in terms of how um, the general American public has always viewed us in terms of, in terms of mainstream media and in terms of what they think we can, you know, we can play in terms of roles and in terms of, you know, headlining specific things. Now, when it comes to specific types of, you know, genres of media, whether it's historical, you know, that's something a little different. You know, those are things that you can't, you know, that you can't really get around. I remember, um, uh, if anybody remembers the, you know, the, the actual uh, previews when God when Gods of Egypt came out, 
And, you know, first thing people say is like, okay, um, yeah, bro, this is not, um, <laughs> this is not accurate. And it's just, you know, having Gerard Butler playing Horace and, you know, absolutely no black folks outside of being servants or anything else in any, any well, private Yeah, Ch- Yeah, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, he don't, yeah, I mean, he's the lone person. <laughs> you know, so they, they had to throw one in there so they could say, "Look, we got a black guy in here." Exactly, and I think you know sometimes. I mean, we've always had to fight against that type of um, that type of disenfranchisement in terms of in terms of how we're portrayed in media and in terms of how our presence is. And I think one of the things about what we've seen in terms of you know, like Mafia Three, and in terms of you know, what Netflix has done with, with some of the Marvel characters that have come down the pike. Um, I can remember, you know, uh, before even this Black Panther movie, I can remember the graphic, you know, the one of the graphic um, graphic novel, um, one of the graphic novel presentations that Netflix had of the Black Panther of Marvel Knights. I remember that distinctly on BET because uh, Digimon Hansu and, and a whole bunch of cast of characters were, were voicing those, those you know, those comics or those you know those actual um, shows. And I mean, those things are just off the chain, you know. And they were they're extremely popular. I remember them being on Netflix and Adult Swim. You know, they weren't on Adult Swim that long. Um, I think they had one season's worth of run before they got taken off hot because they got to they got took off and the people were like Man, what are you taking this off for this stuff is crap you know so it's just um you know it's a challenge to see that sort of thing but the potential is always there because you know the one thing about our community is that we produce really good stories we right produce- actually to that to that point so i kind of want to put a plug in for uh for a game so i think that part of what we have to do is actually actually support you know black develop or black video game development and so there's a game that came out uh last year called orion legacy of the Koryodan, and it's a it's, it's a 2d side scrolling action rpg but it's set in like uh it's a it's like a fantasy RPG and it's set in Africa. It's made by Africans and it's set in Africa and, and a lot of the a lot of the mythology around it, a lot of the visual cues, um, is is based in real African lore from different, you know, African cultures. Obviously Africa is not a it's not a homogeny. There are thousands of cultures within the continent. But and they kind of they try to incorporate many of those cultures within the game. And I think that's a very good uh, way of kind of uh, of getting, I mean, I, you know, African culture isn't necessarily American black culture, but at the same time, you it's different, <laughs> and it's not you know stereotypically you, you know uh, European you know culture or anything like that. You know, it's not another you know Greek guy. It's not a god of war, which is based in you know Greek mythology. It's you know it's something based in African mythology. So it's. Now the game itself, I think the I think the game actually I'm looking at it right now on Steam. It actually has an eight out of ten. So apparently people like the game. So I would highly encourage you all to check it out. Uh, encourage the listeners, you know, go check out this game. It's called Orion: Legacy of the Cory Odan. Uh, I'll put a link in the in the uh, in the show notes. Mental so note, I will be checking that out on Steam as soon as I get home. 
Yeah. yeah I'm looking up, I'm looking up on Steam right now actually. Yeah. yeah, I just looked it up too. <laughs> yeah, see, see, that, you, we gotta get, we gotta get the, uh, get the word out because I mean, it's not to me, it's not enough to just simply have you know predominantly white directors or white production houses incorporate you know black folks. I mean, why not empower ourselves to make our own movies, to make our own video games, and then we won't necessarily just you know depend on quote unquote the white man to to get. You know, to get out there now. Granted, in America, <laughs> it's not, not exactly that easy in America. But at the same time, uh, I think that if you want to talk about black empowerment, I think that supporting games like BCFX and Orion, which are made by black developers, you know, support those guys. Then, if they get big, then that'll that'll cause other people. I think it'll cause other people who are interested in it to, you know, jump on the train like, hey, you know, that game did well and they were made by black folks. Maybe I can do it too, right? So and yeah. it, it kind of goes yeah. back to what we talked about in the first episode as far as getting more black people in the world of tech, right? So if they see games that are doing well, that are made by people that look like them, hey, maybe that'll inspire them to, you know, to major in computer science at at Alabama State or Tennessee State, right? You know, maybe it'll encourage them to go into, you know, uh, uh, game design, you know, stuff like that. So, I think I yeah, think that's I think another that's, part of the equation. Yeah, I think that's a very, very good point. And I think um, in terms of the big, bigger picture, I think that's a very, um, that's very, very salient because uh, we're always looking for, you know, to get more of us in terms of developing, coding, and, and you know, getting into Silicon Valley, into game development, into the gaming industry. Uh, and the way to do that, you know, that, like I said, that starts with, you know, you know, giving our, giving our expertise back and expiring, you know, up and coming generations to get into gaming. I know uh, there was something recently in the news um, in regards to Howard University and Google coming to an agreement in terms of opening up a branch of Silicon Valley for, for Howard University. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I shared that. I shared that on Facebook. Uh, yeah, and essentially, um, Howard is one of the very first HBCUs, you know, to be able to have that type of pipeline open up, you know, to Silicon Valley and to have their internships, you know, really funded by, you know, by a conglomerate like Google. And um, it's, you know, that's big. You know, because I think, you know, if you look at our schools in terms of, you know, engineering programs, computer science programs, we got some pretty, we got some pretty heavyweight schools that do that. You know, North Carolina A&T comes to mind immediately. Hey, deep, right? <laughs> sorry, sorry, I had to add that in there. Sorry. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, UDC, you know, where I started out at, you know, that, you know, is one of the better um, one of the better computer science programs in terms of HBCUs, you know, on the east, you know, on the east coast. Uh, same thing, you know, Bowie State and Morgan State aren't too far behind um, in in terms of, you know, their relationships and the, you know, their their visibility and respect in the region. So, you know, when you get kids that are interested in those programs and they're coming out of those programs and you want them, you know. And you want to see that type of visibility in terms of, you know, our media products and our gaming products and, and things that have a little bit, more of, uh, you know, of a slant in terms of our culture. That's where it starts at. It starts at, 
you know, getting, you know, you know, manpower with the technical manpower or woman power, excuse me, both, um, with technical expertise into the industry, and then building those connections from there. And I mean that. I mean the same. I mean, Dave, you know as well as I do. Being in IT, that's the that's the same premise. You know, you get your foot in the, you have to really get your foot in the door in some, you know, in some areas of the country, in order to really, uh, really establish a foothold. You know, some places a little easier, like DC, like the DC metro area where we're at, um, is a little bit of a different animal because there's just so much in terms of opportunities that you can get in, and there's so much of a concentration in terms of black folks that are connected and you know HBCU grads that are connected and HBCU attendees and a whole bunch of other things in terms of people that can get into the industry um, but yeah I think that's something that is really uh, that that's essential you know if we want to see that the paradigm change we have to you know we have to really start at the bigger picture and work in in terms of getting, you know, more bodies and more expertise and more specialists into the industry in order to be able to, you know, get people to leverage that into leadership into, but, in the industry. But then that kind of goes into the question I posed in the first episode. Like, how do you, how do you get, how do you get people who aren't traditionally into technology and game development? How do you get them into that? I mean, uh, I mean, I you know obviously you you know you have Orion and game you know BCFX you know he has stuff like that, but you know in the IT industry especially and 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 especially the game development community you don't really see people of color and like it's I you have to wonder is it because they're not being is it because they're not applying to those jobs or are they not are they not uh, getting the, that education needed for those kind of positions? Like, are they are they not going to those kinds of uh, STEM fields? Like, are they not majoring in computer science or majoring in game design or software engineering and stuff like that? Uh, you know, how do you get people to do that? <laughs> well, I think it's a little bit of I think it's all of the above. You know, it's not an easy, it's not a it's not a single layered direct answer. You know, it's multi tiered problem. And that that that's a you know solution that it's going to require. Um, not only is it going to require you know you know folks that have already been in the industry to really go above and beyond the call of duty in terms of giving back in terms of knowledge. Also require some folks that are in leadership to take a chance and say, hey, you know this is an unexplored market, untapped you know resource in terms of, you know, game development and in terms of, you know, um, expertise, because that's kind of, you know, unfortunately that we're, we're so far Also, behind. to piggyback off that, um, can y'all hear me? Yeah. Yeah, we hear yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Like, to jump on that, we also, from, a, from the other side of it, uh, as parents, we need to... Uh, be more like I feel like, and this is a broad stroke, of course, it doesn't apply to everybody. But we, when we think about our kids and what we want them to be, we want them to be uh, either professional athletes for our boys, especially. I know I'm guilty of it professional athletes or doctors or like lawyers. Like, we, we think of just the jobs, and you know what, really, 
those are the jobs we saw black people succeed in. Uh, now that I think about it, like doctors, you had, you had uh, Heathcliff Huxtable and Claire Huxtable and uh, you had uh, uh, Doc McStuffins. And, you know, we really only had, um, we, we, did, we don't have experience, we don't have visuals of black people making success in, in the gaming, in the coding industry at that. We don't have, there's no, uh, there's nowhere for us to see ourselves, for us to even know that that's something we should push our kids to do. Because if I didn't code, how do I teach my son to code? I played football. I can teach my son to play football. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I think that's a very good point. Um, it, I just thought about this. This is a really good example of kind of what we're talking about. Um, HBO had a, had a series um, that they started, I think, like a year and a half or so ago uh, called Silicon Valley. I think there's been, been two seasons of it. Yeah, I heard it was pretty good. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Um, but if you look at the representation there in terms of, um, you know, us, there is no representation. You know, uh, you know you've got some minorities there. And unfortunately, you, you know, I think one of the kind of drawbacks that I saw in terms of, in terms of the show is that they kind of followed the stereotypical, um, the kind of stereotypical uh, visualization of who is what in Silicon Valley, you know, where you have, you know, we have Caucasian folks, uh, there are a lack of women um, there, unless there are women that are in, you know, in management or leadership roles, which also was very rare. And, you know, the one minority, the, the minority representation were Indian, you know, and that, I think that's something that, you know, it's accurate, but it's not as accurate as it, you know, as it should be, because there, you know, there are black coders, there are black, you know, folks that work for, you know, work for Google, work for, uh, you know, work for Yahoo, or work for anybody that that's there, you know. But I mean, I don't think in the two seasons I watched that series, I don't think I've seen, I don't think I saw a single. African American character that was, you know, coding or me neither. That was that was even in the, you know, in the actual, you know, ladder of coding, you know, for the, for that industry. So I can't think of a I can't think of a, a black person in the show at all. I'm trying to think of even an extra. I don't even think there are any black extras. <laughs> exactly, and I think um, that's something that, you know, ultimately, you know, that's a perception that's that we're going to have to fight. And I think, you know, once, you know, like, for example, let's say um, somebody like Issa Rae, for example, you know, gets, you know, gets a show concept about, you know, uh, a black tech company from the, from the south side of Chicago that's a startup. And they, you know, they get some sort of big giant grant and they move out to Silicon Valley to fight against the big boys, you know, that sort of thing. Somebody would have to really write up a concept and start it from scratch in order for us to get that type of representation. And it still might not even be something that we mainstream. It might have to start at a grassroots level. It might have to start as a YouTube series or a web series. You know, we might have to be very creative in terms of how to get that visualization out to the general public. Honestly, that's part of the, that's part of the best way on, especially today, you know, in 2017, a lot of things aren't, 
a lot of really good concepts aren't, you know, they're not coming out on traditional television. They're coming out on YouTube. They're coming out on Netflix. You know, all Snapchat. the other it's on <laughs> Snapchat. So I mean, that that that's a, that's a really uh, good that's a really good uh way to 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 you know to spread that creativity for people who are looking to inject that kind of in, inject that that into the into society. Especially now especially in terms of where that medium is going, just like we were talking about in the last episode, in terms of folks finding alternatives, you know, for cable television, for, uh, for, you know, for, you know, traditional media, that's becoming the new cable television. That's becoming the new uh, form for getting ideas and cutting edge content across. Um, I mean, if you really look at it, you know, pretty soon you're going to have, you know, just just about all of these, you know, all of these services that are going to streaming or or going to live television, doing that and juggling live streaming at the same time. I, I can think of YouTube. YouTube has already got YouTube Red where, you know, essentially if you got a good concept, you can end up on YouTube Red and and reaching and being promoted to millions of people. You know, it's just of you know getting enough people that are willing to put those ideas, you know, into something tangible to getting and getting them in front of an audience. Now, I think the I think the one challenge that we face in terms of that type of content is that YouTube is just so saturated right now in terms of, you know, all sorts of things in terms of content, you know, and that's not just, you know, white folk, that's global, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, you're going to be competing with content from, you know, from, you know, as far away as China or, or you know, Kazakhstan or wherever, you know. So it's it's something that when we think about it in terms of, you know, the African-American community, we have to kind of think about it in a lot bigger terms than what we're used to thinking about. Right. You know, it's not right. just the United States. It's the world. And if we're going to, you know, really focus on, you know, presenting our image, you know, the image of our culture in a really good light, we have to start thinking along those terms and that, you know, that that doesn't just apply to new media and our representation in, in it, you know, that applies to how we do business, that applies to, you know, you know, the mission that our schools have, all sorts of things. So, so let me ask, uh, let me ask. So <laughs> we talked about representation, but we've, we've hardly included Tiffany in the discussion. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> my we're bad. I'm kind of listening to the ideas. <laughs> we're all, we're all being misogynists here, no? But um, <laughs> but uh, so actually, me Tiffany. Too, na- <laughs> so Tiffany, let me ask you: How did you, how how did you get into you know technology and, and all that kind of stuff? Um, I ended up becoming an engineer because, um, when I was in high school, this substitute teacher who was like a parent of one of the students too, she, uh, she just randomly stopped me in the hall one day and asked me, you know, like, what did I want to do? What did I want to be when I grow up? And I was like, oh, I think I want to be a doctor. Uh, which goes back to Dominique's point. Um, (laughs) And she was like, well, why don't you check out this 
this class. Um, my high school had a, um, what do you call it? A vocational program too. So she, she wanted me to check out a drafting class, uh, you know, like technical drawing or whatever. And so I ended up taking the class and the teacher there, he hooked me up with like all these different summer programs that I would go to every summer um, that were like, you know, like engineering type technical programs. And it just kind of went from there. So uh, it was basically somebody explaining or exposing me, you know, to something else, which is kind of what Dominique was saying that we have to do for our kids. Um, I think, and and to kind of go back to what he was saying, I think uh, we have an idea of what, you know, quote unquote, good jobs are. So we want to push our kids towards what we consider to be good jobs, but we don't necessarily have exposure to, you know, the whole array of how, you know, all these other good jobs that are there. And another thing is, I think we overlook a lot of the things that can, can kind of give us that exposure. Uh, what I'm saying is like, for example, I, I was watching something where this, this, little teenager, like a teenage black boy, he was really into sneakers. And so I don't know if it was his mom's idea or if it was his idea or what, but he started buying stock in Nike. You know what I'm saying? So if you're going to buy the sneakers all the time, like, you know, think about having some ownership. And if I think if we thought in that way more, we would seek out like more information about like how how do these video games that my kids love to play like how how are they made how do they come about since they love them so much maybe that's something that they can get into like maybe that could be another idea of a good job type thing so i think it's just like flipping our paradigm is part of it as well have you ever um have you ever had anyone put you down or or disparage you because you chose you know engineering or computer science over more traditional, quote unquote, you know, female roles, or uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> it, it's funny. Um, it was kind of a joke, but it stood out to me. This guy that I used to date, <laughs> he used to call me a mechanic, like <laughs> because I work in the automotive industry. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes when I would talk about what I would do at work, like, no, I'm not exactly fixing cars or whatever, but for some reason in his mind, it was like a really masculine job that I had. And I mean, I guess, but you know, I don't know. But so I have, I I definitely have people who are thrown off. I can't say I've been put down for choosing it per se, but I think that people in their having their minds, you know, what a woman like would do. You know what I'm saying? When you ask me what I do, it's surprising to a lot of people when I say that I'm an engineer. And then it's even more surprising when I say that I work in the automotive industry, but um, it's, I mean, it's just, it kind of is what it is. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like a particularly masculine job. I'm not like picking up heavy things, but uh, people are, are thrown off by it. Yes. You know, it's funny that w- with a, in the computer field, it's not anything that takes any kind of physical labor. So you would think exactly. that a lot of women would, 
would be drawn to uh to to the computer field to the video game field because i mean you know i i'm a network engineer and i'll tell you most of my time was spent on powerpoint or visio so you know i'm not doing anything that's physically intensive in fact that's that's why i work I out that's why i work out now yeah go ahead Vizio. Um, I hate Vizio. <laughs> we <all> well, hate <laughs> Vizio. <laughs> well, hey, if you're if for a network engineer, I like Vizio, but because uh, I like the the detail I can do. But uh, and if you've seen some of some of the network diagrams I've done, oh my gosh! But uh, it's it, it is, it's kind of ironic because back in the day, it was the women who did you know a lot of the typewriter jobs, the uh, office type jobs that require typing on a computer. Yet when it comes to computer programming, it's mostly males. So it's like, how in the world do you keep women from doing that? <laughs> and they're the ones who are primarily on the computer doing, you know, uh, uh, office assistant type jobs or whatever. Well, I think that, I think it's a, I think it's a general uh, perception, you know, and a very 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 narrow-minded one you know when we talk about our field in particular you know whether you're a network engineer or you're like me um information security you know specialists or or you know information you know security engineer um that you know that the complicated nature of the job you know is somehow you know too much for women and which is completely you know that's the most retarded thing i've ever heard some of the most some of the most astute people that I know um, in the field that I know that I work with are women, and they are on point. If you're, yeah, I mean, if you're working for them and you're not on point, you're going to get exposed extremely quickly. I feel, so, I feel like it's a it's a byproduct of social engineering. Uh, we are kind of uh, bred, I guess. Uh, to think that certain things are masculine, certain things are feminine, and I don't know how tech got the masculine brush. Like I said, there is no physical labor. It's mostly uh, very small objects, you know, plugging up cables and. <laughs> but yeah, the 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 idea behind like that's it's also not a not a traditionally uh, quote unquote cool thing which is why black people don't do a lot of it, or at least we're not seen doing a lot of it. I feel like we are, we are in the industry. Uh, clearly it's three of y'all on this podcast that are in the industry, um, yes, sir. but it's just not, it's not something that they're not going to call you and say, Hey, come speak to my third grade class. They want Jameis Winston right. to come and tell, tell right. little girls to uh, be quiet and boys be quiet. You know? uh, I don't know if y'all heard that story. You should Google it. It's bananas that they have this dude yeah. speaking in public Absolutely, uh, but it, it's it's just not it's not been classically something that we've taught our uh, our our young girls to do. Girls play with dolls, boys play with fire trucks, and therefore, when boys grow up, boys become firefighters, and girls, I don't know, have kids. I guess that that's what the idea behind it is, uh, and that's just you know. Luckily, we're we're you can feel the consciousness, you can feel the collective consciousness waking up. You can feel people starting a little by little say, hey, why? 
why can't a woman be president? Why can't a woman run this? Why can't a woman do that? Like, why can't black people do this? And uh, this little by little, I feel like in our lifetime, we'll see a lot of change because this the generation below us, you know, as all these old white people die. Uh, <laughs> really? Little by little. <laughs> They, they're the the amount of bigotry, the percentage of bigotry in power will will decrease because for every old Strom Thurmond dude that dies, you gotta. I hate to use his name, Cory Booker, but like Cory Booker or uh, Maxine Waters, you got all these black black faces uh, in in these uh, places of power. You got the head of ABC is a black woman. Shonda Rhimes can do no wrong uh, in media, and you. I, I don't know. I don't know. I heard. I heard a few. I heard a few people don't really like how Scandal is going right now, but go ahead. <laughs> I, I don't watch it, but from what I hear, listen, this is what you can guarantee. You might not like what's going on, but you're watching. Right. You know what I'm <laughs> Fair, fair enough. The gladiators are, uh, the gladiators uh, stand for Shonda like uh, the Beehive stands for Beyonce. So while, while, we, while Dominique was talking, I was thinking, it seems as if when it comes to women and also when it comes to black people, it's like there's an idea that we are, we aren't able to create or, you know what I'm saying? Like we're, we're not able to, to, to think of new things type like that. That's kind of what it feels like when it comes to, you know, thinking about where people would traditionally I guess see us or why it is we're not getting into tech fields or whatever, or, you know, like that, that seems like that's the history behind it. Like our minds just aren't capable of fathoming. That's the, uh, that's the juju that they try to, they try to spill on you. But if you go back classically, we are, and we're so small a percentage of the population. But if you were to remove our, our, our collective input into the framework of this planet, like we're a very impactful part of this world. We absolutely black people are lit, man. Listen, we 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 uh, Egypt was the shining epicenter of knowledge in this world for a long period mm-hmm. of time. We just were focusing on things other than guns. White people got the guns first. They started taking stuff over. And he who has the power gets to tell you what it is, man. And they get to erase slavery out of the history books. They get to. Uh, you know, they basically get to tell you that they created all this stuff. Black people came up with uh, all of the foundations of the music that we listen to today. They came up with the, the, the t- like, we are the most creative, I believe, people, especially if you look at what, what, what we've been through. And to be able to make the beauty that we've made, uh, it is remarkable, in my opinion. And I don't think anybody, any other group of people on this planet, maybe save the Jews, uh, have had to go through what we've had to go through and still be told, Hey man, get over it. Like endure. Like you got, you got a, you got a chance, you know, calm down, be quiet over there. Just put your nose to the grindstone. We'll pick a few of y'all to pick up and the rest of y'all just deal with life as it is. That's how it feels like it is. I think it's also, uh, the, the pathology of black people and what we do is, is mainly centered on physical or, you know, physical, uh, kind of work, you know. It's not. It's nothing. Nothing that requires the mind, you know. Uh, you know, going all the way back to slavery, you know, that's what we were prized for. Black bodies were just simply tools to make money, 
and even now in sports now there's nothing wrong with going into and you know doing sports or anything i'm not i'm not trying to say that but you know when you when you when you want when you think about popular black celebrities more than half of them are going to be athletes now isn't it like like i said it's nothing technically wrong with that but if most of what you see of a particular culture has to only do with using your body in order to make money then it it it's, uh, it takes away from the mindset that that culture is able to also do something involving the mind. And so that's why you don't see, you know, many in in the media or in, in any place. That's why you don't really see a lot of black people and women, for that matter, in, in in those kinds of positions. Because that's not traditionally where we've been prominently seen as. Even in sports, if you look at it. Like all black athletes are looked at as physical specimens and they let the white people be cerebral, you know, uh, whenever, you know, whenever Cam Newton runs 15 yards, they love to say how big and strong he is. Uh, but that man throws the ball too. He throws it just as well as everybody else. And, you know, I'm not standing for Cam Newton because he's a coon, but, uh, they, (laughs) they, they let they let they they only give us the credit for for being big and strong and jumping high and running. They don't give us the credit for Kobe worked tirelessly to perfect his jump shot. Uh, Kobe, you know, LeBron works hard. LeBron trains year round. LeBron spends like five hundred thousand a year on maintaining his body in perfect shape. You know what I mean? Like these people are mentally sound as well. They know this game, and but the only ones that they really talk about, they talk about the white athletes as the cerebral ones. They're working, you know, they're, they, the way they think, their basketball IQ is so weird that when they're talking about black athletes. I don't know about that. I, I think LeBron was working hard at that phantom elbow he took to the back of the neck, too. Oh. <laughs> hey, listen, you're not going to have me defending LeBron James on here. I am not a fan. But, <laughs> but so, so I want to, I want to say that there are I do see attempts now to kind of bring, you know, people of color into more uh techie roles or in roles that involve the mind. You know, you know, hidden figures came out, right? And so you have a whole movie about black women who if they weren't there, you know, that that mission wouldn't have happened <laughs> if they weren't there. So uh you have that, you have uh even even going back to Marvel and Black Panther you know, Black Panther is one of the smartest people in the entire Marvel Universe. And so, uh, I don't know if you all ever watched the cartoon Avengers uh, Earth Might- Earth's Mightiest Heroes. They actually show uh, T'Challa being more of the the smart person on the team <laughs> instead of just Tony Stark. You know, is is Tony and T'Challa both being the more techie in the entire, you know, in the entire group. And so, uh, if you all also watch the CW Superhero show, you know, The Flash, Arrow, Legend of uh, Legend of Tomorrow. Uh, in Arrow, there's a character named Mr. Terrific. Now, <laughs> my wife doesn't really like his character because he can be annoying. Yeah, but Mr. Mr. Terrific is my boy. But <laughs> Mr. Ter- <laughs> but you know, he he's a black guy who's basically just as smart as Felicity, who is a white woman. Um, now, I will say as a side note, as as a techie. It, some of the stuff they say on that show, it just it's just cringeworthy. It's like 
No, <laughs> you can't do that with a computer. You're not going to hack the NSA. You're not hacking the NSA. I don't care what you and, say. And definitely not in 12 seconds. Like, right, right. Nope. Like, they break through firewalls. Nope. Like, it's nope. just, you know, the easy, like, <laughs> like, like, they just, I don't know. But my point is, you see, you're starting to, you're at least, at least I see it. You're starting to see more roles, more original roles. I actually want to put that. I want to. I just want to point that out. So, I I might I might be in the minority in this, and uh, I I do admit that I do lean more in the conservative spectrum when it comes to politics. But I I kind of prefer if we made more original characters who are who you know who are people of color or women, right? You know, instead of just reskinning Captain America as Falcon or, you know, uh, even Iron Man, instead of, instead of just changing Iron Man into a black woman, why not make a totally original black female character? You have a, uh, there's a, a little girl named Moon uh, Moon Girl. She, like, has, like, this pet T-Rex. And she's, like, the yeah. smartest person in the entire yeah. Marvel Universe. Smarter than Reed Richards, smarter than Tony Stark. I'm like, really? This little girl <laughs> is smarter than everyone. But I, I don't know. I, 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 I want I want to see more yeah, original there, characters. There's a, there was a blog I was reading of that was talking about that how the like we got to give them some credit for diversity for attempting, but their diversity is really just reskinning, uh, which is not the same thing. Like Zendaya is Mary Jane in the new Spider Man movie, and that's cool, I guess that that you know because it's a fictional character, you can make her whatever you want to. I had to get over my thing like with the. Uh, the black Michael B. Jordan being the Human Torch. I didn't like it at first. I didn't like the Kingpin being black and Daredevil. I liked the characters to look like they looked in my childhood. But I'm black man getting a role. But at the same time, it's like, come on, man. Uh, why can't Peter Parker just have another crush? That's not Mary Jane. Why Mary Mary Jane's a redheaded white girl? That's what she is. Let Zendaya be somebody else that Peter Parker likes, or make another superhero and let Zendaya be his crush. They already you know I mean? have like, a black Spider-Man well, anyway. Or well, black Latino yeah. Spider-Man. Well, I think um I think we gotta take this in increments because For sure. And and I and I say that because, you know you know as as well as I do, um the folks, the audiences that read you read Marvel and read DC comics and you know, they're they're pretty fickle. I mean and, and they're they're almost as fickle as you know, some of the folks that watch reality television or anything like or anything of that nature. So you know, there, you know, there are traditionalists among them that I know. When um, I remember reading some of the feedback when they were talking about uh, taking Iron Man in a new direction, um, essentially they were just—I mean, there were just so many people that just like, well, why does she have to be a 15-year-old black girl from Chicago, or why does she has to be this? Why can't it be another dude? Or this, this, that, and third, and it's like you still have an element of of that sort of sentiment in terms of the audiences that Marvel reaches, which is why I kind of give Marvel a lot of respect in terms of being on the cutting edge of you know social commentary in their comics. Right, right. Um, I'm not saying that's ne- I'm not saying that's necessarily yeah. wrong. I, I applaud it all the way. But I'm just. In fact, yeah. <laughs> it gives my wife someone to cosplay as. But, <laughs> but, um, but you know, it, it's and and I understand that you know baby steps, right? And yeah. let's let's start with with that, and then we'll kind of work our way up to you know more original 
black characters and female characters. I mean, I, I understand that. Yeah. yeah, and I think, I mean, I know me being a comic head, you know, there was, um, there's a, com- there's a comic company uh, that got absorbed by DC called Wildstorm Comics. And I remember uh, some of the comics, some of the, you know, some of the line of comics that they used to put out. They're the same guys that used to put out Wildcats and Gen 13 and, and those sorts of comics where, you know, you know, you didn't see anything but minority characters in those comics, you know, and, and in terms of being, in terms of the subject matter that they would cover, you know, they were about as cutting edge as you would get in terms of, you know, some of the modern commentary, kind of, you know, commentary that you get, like, uh, Icon, you know, you know, the black version of Superman in DC was originally one of, you know, from some of the, you know, was originally Wildstorm Comics. That's where Icon came from. Um, before, you know, again, they before they got absorbed in the DC. So, you know, we're seeing we can I mean, there are writers that are that are in that environment that are willing to create those new characters, but you know, at the same time. Those folks that might want to expose those characters are combating the industry. And more importantly, they're combating the fan. Because a lot of times what ends up happening is that those folks that you know that bring concepts and potentially bring new characters get such blowback in terms of doing so. You know, and it's and like I said, it's not really, you know, it's not really something they can control. Because it's a sentiment that's still very, very raw and very present in our society in general. And it's a very, I mean, it's represented in the demographics of people that, that read the comics, that play our game, you know, and we see, you know, like I said, just like we, we were talking about earlier in the, in the podcast in terms of, you know, black representation in terms of certain types of games, we still see that feedback. You know, I guarantee you now, in terms of going to any form, and you'll you'll see a, a a demographic of people that are present in the in the in the forums or or playing a game online or wherever that are talking about, well, why does this character have to be black? What does he have to do with the mafia? Blah blah blah. You know, yakky yakky yakky. And you know, as long as that sentiment in our population is there, you're going to have that type of resistance. Trust me, I agree well, with you. Well, I feel like that sentiment will always exist. And I think you have to put enough media out to just, like, once, like, if you played the game, it was good. But when we only put one black game out every seven or eight months, the white people as a whole can just miss it. They can just skip it. But if you put out where there's so many, like, these are, uh, you've got to play these games. If, Na- if Nathan Drake was a black man, white people would have played that game. Yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe. May, well, maybe. I don't know if if they could have made him a, a very compelling character like the white Nathan Drake, and then maybe that would actually maybe it'll take something like that. Maybe it'll take a big name developer like Naughty Dog making uh, an Uncharted type of game, but featuring a black character, and then that way, when that character goes mainstream, then that'll kind of set the bar or set the standard for any future people of color in video games. And also, it, we need to get to a point in time where it's not like the, his blackness isn't like Nathan Drake's whiteness is never an issue in the game. It's not something we have to talk about. 
uh, my blackness, I shouldn't have to talk about every day, every day of my life. Uh, I do, but I, I shouldn't have to. We should come to a point where, oh, it's just where normally it's a white guy. This time it's a black guy. Cool. Let's start the game. Let's see if I like it. Instead of like, if there is a, a black superhero or a black, like his blackness is a like a, a an element of his character. Right. Well, right. I mean, it's such a. I think white folks have such a hard time with the just the humanity of black people. That it, I mean, they sh- they shook if they exactly. they cannot relate at all. I think because they just have a hard time just seeing us as people in a sense. You know what I mean? Man, like, about it. <laughs> like when um, what was that? When the when the first Hunger Games came out, and I was, you know, you know how you just looking through articles and stuff, and I was seeing like an article about people tweeting about, you know, um, was it what was the Rue? character's name? Rue? Yeah, her name is Rue. Think, yeah, and they were like, oh, like I ain't even sad that Rue died no more because she was black. Like, dang, you know what I'm saying? But here's so, the here, here's the funny part, and I read the book. I read all three books in the book. She was black. Like, she was actually yeah. described as dark-skinned in, in the book. So it was like, what did you expect her to look like? They, I mean, when you got movies about Gods of Egypt coming out and everybody white, you know, I think it's easy to shake yourself, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and just automatically assume that everybody white, don't matter how it's described. Maybe they thought she was Italian or something. But... <laughs> Well, I don't know. So like if they can't if they can't even see the humanity in somebody because of brown skin, like how are they gonna play a first person shooter game and feel like they can relate, you know what I'm saying, when the character's black? I just don't know. Yeah. I mean unfortunately, uh it's getting get getting a little late over here, so I'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up. But it was it was uh had a, a lot of fun discussing this topic with you and I'm, I'm hoping that we can we, we might actually have to do a gaming part three eventually to kind of flesh <laughs> flesh some of this stuff out but uh, i do appreciate that i do appreciate the the uh the commentary and, and the conversation about it but um as we as we close let me remind the listeners that if you want to uh read any articles that we write we do have a website uh the black you can also follow us on facebook at facebook.com slash the black techies. Uh, also, like I said before, go go on iTunes. Uh, please write a review. Tell your friends. That way we can, we can get the press and more people will see us. And it'll also let us know in ways we can improve. But uh, so before we go, you know, we have to do this, do this at the, at the end of every, every podcast. And, you know, by the way that, you know, some of these, some of these uh, Russia, investigation is going with the FBI. Uh, Dominique, do you have something you want to say? I do, actually. So, everybody have a wonderful week. Be blessed. Uh, be productive. Be black. Also, know and take solace in the fact that by the time you hear this, you might not be y'all present. Man. Alright. Word, words to live by. Alright. We'll talk right. to you. Ended on positive note. Right. Well... <laughs> Positive, depending on your viewpoint, but <laughs> but uh, if you have an opposite viewpoint, you probably not listen to our podcast. 
Hey, and actually, before before we go, I actually want to say you know a quick a quick word to if if there are any listeners who are white who are listening to this, I don't want to give the perception that you know we are anti-white or we hate you know hate white or anything like that. It's just that uh, please understand that we come from a different perspective, and although you know <laughs> we, we we may not all have the same background, there are some there there's a good segment of the of society who who don't have the privilege and don't have the ability to live their lives as normally as they would want to because of their skin color. So I would just ask you all to just keep an open mind and just understand what we're going what we're going what we're uh, coming from rather. But uh I appreciate you all being on the podcast and we will see you later. Have a good evening. Thank you.